Hello, and welcome to Future Forward Podcast, an unusual tech dialogue about the advancements and innovations which are going to affect your everyday lives today and in the future. Brought to you by Mazdar City, a world-class innovation hub and a pioneering sustainable urban community in Abu Dhabi. I'll be your host, Steve Severance, head of program management and marketing, and I'll be joined by Ali Al Said, an incredibly funny Emirati comedian. And together, we'll meet awesome experts and change makers to answer frequently asked questions on the hottest topics to keep future tech on your radar. Not only that, at the end of each episode, I'll be putting Ali to the test to see how much he's learned. Ali, welcome to the podcast. We're talking about space. Is there anything more future forward than that? Space is in the news too. All the multi-billionaires going into space, Elon, Jeff, Richard. So if you were stuck on a rocket with a really, really rich guy, which one would it be, Ali? Oh, that's a tough one. See, on one hand, I'd want to be with Elon just so I know what he's planning because I don't trust this guy at all. But on the other hand, you know, you could go with Bezos and get your packages delivered on time, you know? Do you think you could actually get some Amazon credits if you went with Jeff? I'd like to call him Jeff. We're like that. Oh, you're like that? We're you like that. Hefe? You call him Hefe? What Sometimes up, Hefe. Yeah, Jeff o, you know. Jeffers, Jeff O'Rama, the Jeffster. <laughs> All right, now you're doing 1970s nicknames, Steve. You're aging yourself way too early in the podcast. Should we get to Alyssa now? I think it's time to actually move over to our guest because we have an incredibly talented young woman who's going to be with us today. She's only 21 years old. But you can find her on Instagram and TikTok at NASA Blueberry. Welcome to the podcast, Alyssa. Yeah, thanks for having me. I understand this is an amazing story that you first got interested in space from watching a cartoon at three years old. You went to your first NASA space camp at seven. You've been to a space camp at every single NASA site. But then you also have a pilot's license, a skydiving license. I'm jealous of the skydiving. That's absolutely one of my bucket list. That is very cool. When I started jumping, I did all my jumps at this one place. I was doing like four or five jumps a day. But uh, yeah, no, I was a bit nervous. When I walked in, there was this guy and he was one of the packers. He kept packing my chute. Man, he'd sit and like lay back in his chair. And I was like, this is the guy. I'm putting my life in his hands. (laughs) him packing my parachute and it's actually so funny because I was kind of like terrified the whole time but I mean nothing happened um but actually at the end of my 25 jumps I like dropped my parachute off and he started packing and he goes you know what you're my favorite student and I was like dude we're not even gonna start talking about this I <laughs> he ended up being a nice guy but he was super sketchy for a while <laughs> and you've done a suborbital research mission at zero gravity yeah, so a little bit of everything. Um, I basically, yeah, I've always kind of been interested in space and pretty much what I did growing up, like the reason for going to all the different camps and trying all the different things out was just because I was trying to figure out what area of space I was most interested in. So I went to try a whole bunch of different stuff. So like the microgravity flights, all that was essentially a part of a uh, research program that I'm a part of, and we were prepping for a suborbital flight. So it wasn't an actual suborbital flight, but it was basically the training to be able to perform one. I watched the video, Alyssa. It looked really close. You could have told me it was suborbital, and I would have believed you right now. Before we go on, Ali, do you know what suborbital means? I have absolutely no idea, but it sounds fun. It does sound cool, doesn't it? Alyssa, for our audience members, Oh, yeah, why'd you look at me might... when you said for our audience members? That was a little condescending, Steve. It was completely condescending, Alec. So 
For people who don't follow you regularly on Instagram, Melissa, and they all should, can you explain what a suborbital flight would be? Yeah, so suborbital is basically like where the International Space Station is. So basically it's when you go to space, but you're kind of right at the edge of space. You know, you aren't going off somewhere. You're just kind of orbiting around Earth and you're also orbiting like at the lower level of Earth's atmosphere. So, you know, we have some satellites that are a little bit further out that are orbiting, but suborbital is definitely right there. And that's exactly what all the um, all the billionaire flights are. You know, Jeff Bezos, uh, Virgin Galactic with Richard Branson, all of those flights are suborbital. So also you just completed your degree in astrobiology, which I didn't even know that was a thing. Ali, astrobiology, any thoughts? That was my first choice in university. And then uh, I remembered that I couldn't do it. So I became a comedian instead. You know damn well I don't know what it is. And why don't you tell us, because I think I'm gonna take a guess at this as the host, uh, that astrobiology is studying the effects of space exploration on the human body, what we can learn about ourselves and about the physical environment on planet Earth from exploring space. Am I on it all, Alyssa, or am I as wrong as Ali? Uh, kind of. So um, astrobiology really is almost like an interdisciplinary, how all the sciences uh, relate to space. So uh, basically within an astrobiology degree, um, a lot of people jump to aliens. So I'm kind of surprised that, uh, that you didn't jump there because a lot of people think space, bio, alien people, um, which could be part of it. We could be uh, looking for aliens, but we also do a lot of other stuff, whether that's studying bacteria in space, studying people in space, maybe um, studying uh, geography. We kind of cover all the bases. So that way with the degree, you can go out and study whatever you're most interested in. So perfect segue. Does Alyssa believe in aliens? I do. I do believe in aliens. Um, I think that the universe is absolutely massive. So uh, in my opinion, there must be something somewhere. And I don't particularly have, I guess, a strong opinion on whether or not they've been here or if they're nearby or all that jazz. But uh, I, I do think that there's something somewhere. I'm going to bring it back down to Earth after the aliens come. I'm not sure if Mazdar has an official position on aliens, but I do know that we have official position on the UAE space agency and the mission to Mars, you know, the Arabs to space that was just uh, run last year, about a year ago, very successful. Well, exciting during COVID because no one had anything else to do. So we watched it constantly, which was great to have here. And it's great to have it at Mazdar City. But one of the things about Mazdar is we're always pushing the boundaries of sustainability. So we say, okay, how do we consume less resources? How do we make things more efficiently? How do we use more renewable energy? And I think you were going to tell us, Alyssa, about some of the ways that our space exploration can be brought back to Earth in terms of sustainability. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, pretty much in general, everything that happens in space comes back to Earth. I think um, sometimes space can kind of get the misconception that like we're basically stuffing rockets full of money and then we just like send them off and never see it ever again, which is totally understandable, but definitely everything to do with space comes back. So whether that is inventing new technology, any knowledge that we gain, um, but all that does come back down to Earth and is available. Um, talking specifically about sustainability, um, you know, obviously uh, space has given us a lot of opportunities you know we were talking a little bit about like gps and you know some of even you know cell phone services and things like that um but space is especially starting to talk about some satellites and different possibilities of 
a more of a sustainability focus. So we're actually looking at having some um, satellites for some lower altitude um, objects that can basically start looking for detecting wildfires much earlier to help any sort of disasters, um, detecting most natural disasters earlier to help um, hopefully save some lives. Also a lot of research has been going into making um, internet a bit more accessible across everywhere on the globe so everyone has proper access to either healthcare options digitally or maybe education um, on trying to essentially just make the globe more accessible all over um, no matter what the situation may be and we're really have high hopes on some of these um, different high altitude um, machinery that we're going to hopefully be have set up pretty soon to help some of these issues the world's most efficient solar panels are actually on satellites. So the learnings we get from the solar panels on the satellites actually do come back down directly to Earth in more efficient solar panels on Earth because satellites are powered after that initial rocket burst by renewable energy. The sun is up there. It's a great point too, because you know if we use space to make things more sustainable, that's amazing. We also have to look and see, typically rockets aren't the most sustainable thing, right? Um, they burn a lot of fuel, it's a lot of cost to make them. And that is you know, something that we're hoping for for the future as well as actual space machinery being more sustainable in itself, You know, having more reusable rockets. We're starting to see that a lot. A lot of um, SpaceX's rockets are super duper reusable. Um, so there's a lot more reusability and hopefully a lot less space junk that we're seeing. Did you just give a shout out to Elon Musk again? Did he get mentioned one more time? Well, he has some really good advances in uh, reusability. <laughs> you got to give the man a little bit, Ali. Anything for Elon? Absolutely not. Since we recorded our last episode, this guy went on a Twitter tirade. And you know what? It's just you, you got to ask the question, what is Elon doing? But um, you mentioned, Alyssa, earlier about natural disasters and being able to detect them early. In general, like environment is a concern. How far along are we, do you think, from space to actually help with this? Yeah, totally. So I see kind of a big thing, obviously trying to look at ways of either cleaning up our own atmosphere here. Um, there's going to be, I think, an excessive amount of research going into this super duper soon. Um, other things that I can kind of see as an option or possibility of how we could kind of use space to kind of help this issue. Um, not that it's absolutely necessary, but one thing, you know, obviously there's a big focus uh, looking towards the future space exploration of Mars, possibly colonizing Mars, living on Mars. We kind of have all these big ideas. If we ever want that to happen, kind of the first step in ever living on Mars is cleaning Mars's atmosphere. Mars's atmosphere is almost majority carbon dioxide, right? So even if we want that to happen, you know, definitely the biggest issue that we're facing is cleaning up these atmospheres. And so not only are we able to do it to Earth, but we could also use it um, for Mars or vice versa. And I think that just kind of gives a little bit more of a push to kind of look for these solutions, right? Because we have different reasons, we have different uses for them. And that's something we don't think about is the technology that we invent for space. We kind of use them and reinvent them and bring them down here. There are so many things that I'm sure people use in their day-to-day -day life that they have no idea was invented for the space industry or by a space company. Um, there's so many random things like handheld vacuums it's the list is very random but i encourage you to look it up sometimes because that technology always comes back so give us a couple of your favorite Alyssa. i'm going to put you on the spot and say okay for people who aren't going to look it up so give two or three of your favorite things besides tang that have come from space 
uh, and that people would say, oh, wow, that is really, that's really cool to have. Yeah, Tang is not it, first of all. <laughs> I oh, would not, what? Would not no Tang, come on. Uh, I know, I know. Sorry to break hearts. All of your followers, all everyone here is just now going to have to go look up Tang. Uh, Ali right. and I know what Tang is, but everyone else is going to have to look, look up a Tang, and they'll be amazed that their parent, that our parents, let us drink that for breakfast. Right. But yes, um, yeah, some of the others, so like handheld vacuums. Um, so obviously, you can kind of see how that would be useful in space when everything's flowing around. Having a handheld vacuum to kind of clean up debris, um, things like that. I'm pretty sure a lot of technology in wireless. So the headphones. vacuum does. So a vacuum does work in space. Yes. Yes. Uh, so okay. Vacuum is possible. Um, a lot of things, most things are possible and for the most part, you know, we, we, we've had, we found ways around things. Um, but yeah, the vacuum, obviously. Um, also, I'm pretty sure wireless headphones, um, some of the technology, maybe not the wireless headphones in itself, but a lot of the technology that went into wireless headphones um, was kind of developed through space. And also a lot of the technology uh, through our cell phones. You know, I think cell phones in general is one thing we kind of forget about. You know, we use cell phones and search the web on a day-to-day -day basis, and that totally wouldn't even be possible without all the satellites up there. We just kind of forget that they're there, right? You know, like, oh, the phone just works. Why? I don't know. It just Works. You know, that's just kind of what we think about, um, but it's all pretty connected to space. You know what else they made in space that we're stuck with on Earth? What's that? Elon Musk. I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were never going to get the Tesla sponsorship, Ali. Never going to get the Tesla They're sponsorship. They're not knocking on anybody's door, okay? <laughs> They're not. I know. I want, I want to take it in a little bit of different direction, Alyssa, because I was listening to some of the, you, know, you are still 21 years old. You have a spectacular following on Instagram and TikTok, hundreds of thousands of people. And I imagine that a lot of young people are following you. And for, as, as a father of a 15-year-old uh, daughter, I find what you're doing very inspiring to be so focused at, at such a young age and to be able to be pursuing that and in taking the steps that, that you need to. But you also talked about how, you know, NASA never had an astronaut younger than 35, uh, that for people who want to study and jump into careers at a younger age, that the path that we're taking them down right now with years and years and years of schooling before you actually get into the environment where you want to be working, just it doesn't really work for a lot of people of your generation. Uh, and I think that you had some, uh, some specific ideas on how to accelerate that process and some of the things that you've done. Yeah, so definitely not only uh, just showing uh, kids that they are able to go after these kinds of careers, um, but showing them that they can do something towards those careers at a young age. And I think that's super important, especially when we start talking about the science and the space types of careers, because they get kind of lost in translation a lot of the time, like, like you guys were saying what does an astrobiologist do? You don't know. Like, how would you go about, you know, telling a young high school student like, oh, maybe they want to study astrobiology when they have no idea what it is. And I think that kind of gets lost a lot of time, even sometimes in like engineering, astrophysics, 
planetary science, what, what does that mean? And what do those jobs actually look like? And I think that's kind of where we're missing a lot of the time because kids aren't gonna think of these jobs and aren't gonna want to do them because they don't have a reality of what they are. And so that's why I've been trying to show a little bit of what a space career could look like. And also sh saying that if you have an interest, try to get an idea, try to get a feel out for what that career might be because that's gonna tell you a lot. That's why when I was growing up, I tried robotics, I tried rocketry, I tried you know studying all these different things because I had no idea exactly what I wanted to study. I wanted to do space, but space is massive. There are so many different careers. So I was always trying to narrow it down. Alyssa, the, the vast majority of careers in space are not astronauts. They're engineers, they're, they're doing robotics, they're working on the satellite or the rocket engine itself uh, that supports those, those few astronauts. And the vast majority of space launches are not manned. You're talking about manned space launches are, are a tiny fraction of the total. Um, but before we started the podcast, we actually talked about uh, some of the youngest people to go into space. Do you wanna give us a, a rundown of who those are, Alyssa? Yeah, so uh, like you had mentioned, um, you know, obviously a NASA astronaut being 35. So uh, the age is definitely up. There have been um, some Russian astronauts that have been a little bit younger, down to around like the 24-ish range. Since then, I guess things have been a bit more recent. We had um, on a Blue Origin flight, we had an 18-year-old who uh, remains the youngest at this point. So he uh, was from the Netherlands and joined Jeff Bezos on that first flight. It was Wally Funk, who she was very well deserving of a flight. She was um, one of the first females who went through the astronaut training in hopes of being one of the first females in space. And she was a very a well accomplished aviator. Um, and then they had a four seat, which they did a bidding for. Uh, so um, essentially, Blue Origin had a bid. And whoever the highest bidder was, was able to be on that flight as well. So uh, the highest bid went for 28 million. So uh, it's a very expensive, because you also have to think 28 million, not only is that a large number, but specifically looking at these, you know, suborbital flights, the, the Bezos flight is, you know, I mean, you could go to space and come back and be, you know, back by dinner, right? Like, it's not going to be long. You're not in space. You're only in space for a few minutes. It's a very, very expensive few minutes of floating, I would say. <laughs> so in other words, so, you're I mean, telling us the guy who went up, uh, the 18-year-old is the captain of the lacrosse stream. No, I don't know. Dutch. He might be. What would you say to other young people who have a passion for space like you do? What would you say to encourage them or study things they should study in school, uh, activities, things they should, books they should read uh, to, to learn more, to prepare themselves uh, like you have? Yeah, definitely. So I would definitely say if you have any sort of interest in space and the first step is really just figuring out what you want to do in space, right? Like, do you actually want to go into space? Do you want to build the rocket? There are so many different things. You know, you could design spacesuits. You could um, help with all the food that goes to space. You know, we have to figure out how to package and how we're going to send the different food to space. There are people who study psychology, you know, how do astronauts deal with being away from friends and family for you know, potentially months at a time. How do the physical uh, side effects have, um, you know, changed the body? We've been studying that for a while. So there is such a wide range of different career paths you can go down. And even looking at when to be an astronaut, you know, we've always talked, you can be military, you can be civilian, you could study medicine, you could be a pilot, you could be an engineer. There's just endless possibilities. So 
is definitely all going to start with how um, how you connect whatever you're interested in to space, right? Because space is going to have every single career you could think about because there are so many things that are necessary to making space travel successful. So it's really just whatever you're interested in and then just tack it onto space. And I would definitely say uh, now is definitely the time. Space is starting to boom again. Obviously, the commercial industry has helped that a lot. Um, but even with government space, um, globally even, government space has been uh, pretty successful. Um, as far as NASA goes, there's hopes of sending people back to the moon in the next few years. And so that will be very successful um, and super exciting, I think, for a lot of young people. Um, but in general, in my opinion, there is like a new space startup, a new space company like every other day now. It is almost insanity at the amount of uh, space opportunity that there is in the next few years. So if you have an interest in it, start looking into it, start um, trying to get involved in anything. Um, definitely you can start local in terms of whatever it is you're interested in and just kind of build your way out from there, but totally just start in your own area. Um, but I think we're going to see a lot of opportunities. So definitely go for it. <laughs> so how about you though? I mean, you've just graduated. Congratulations, uh, of course. Where do you see your career? Are you focused on getting yourself into space? Do you want to be the, the youngest NASA astronaut ever? Or do you see yourself working at one of the startups that's supporting uh, the missions to space or doing the science that will make space more affordable and accessible for all of us? Yeah, so kind of the, the way I've always seen uh, my career is starting out by just kind of like working within the industry. Um, so working within the realm of astrobiology, the area that has interested me the most has been kind of like microbiology. Um, so being able to study bacteria in space and also along with that looking for signs of life. And that's gonna connect to Mars in a lot of ways because we think Mars has potential to have little signs of like bacterial life in some of the water that we've discovered there. So being a part of a lot of that research, um, I will obviously apply uh, to the astronaut selection process. I, um, there's no reason not to, I guess. Uh, and so when, you know, talking a little bit between commercial or private, uh, at the moment, I don't particularly have like a preference. I mean, I do want to, I guess, go a little beyond suborbital space, a little beyond a four minute flight. Um, I think that those flights can be useful and are kind of really cool to allow space to be uh, accessible for a lot of people. But I definitely want to be very science focused in uh, whatever I'm doing. Um, so I kind of see that as part of my career as well. So we'll kind of see, uh, there There may be more, um, more commercial opportunity as well as kind of we turn towards future space exploration, so. So because this is called the Future Forward Podcast, I wanna focus down on, on, on one thing you talked about, uh, and that is studying bacteria in space. What can we learn or what do we hope to learn from studying bacteria in space that you would not be able to find out uh, in a lab, say, on the ground? Because it has to add a small cost increase to study bacteria in space over at uh, your local university. Yeah, definitely. And it definitely does not always have to be, you know, like flying bacteria to space. So for example, some of the research that uh, I've been a part of has been actually taking bacterial samples. Um, these were actually from the International Space Station uh, was the original samples. And um, essentially what we were doing was we were trying to classify the bacteria to determine which of them was helping promote plant growth. 
And the reason for that is, you know, if we do have humans go to Mars, we've already suspected that they'll have to be growing some of their own food because of how long the mission is. And so we're trying to see, is it is it beneficial to actually send some bacteria that are gonna promote this plant growth to ensure that we are getting the most food, the plants are growing to the best of their abilities so that astronauts have the most resources on this mission. So that's like one example of how you can kind of like connect bacteria to like a space flight. If only you would have done that before Matt Damon made that movie, you could have helped him out I know. so much. I mean, you know that's kind of really Matt practical Damon for out? Matt Damon. You know what kind of Tell helped us, Matt Ellie. Damon out? A good script. Alyssa, how do you think your generation is going to approach uh, space differently? Because we've seen that in almost every other industry. Your, your generation has a different priority uh, or different priorities, uh, rather. Uh, how do you think that affects the space industry? I do think that it's going to have an impact on the space industry. You know, we are we're already starting to see, I think, a few of those impacts. Um, you know, kind of just even the idea of wanting to be an astronaut and going about it from a young age is kind of a new perspective. A lot of the older astronauts just kind of happened to apply to the astronaut selection process and then went about that part of their career. So the fact that we are looking at different ways of going to space and um, making things more accessible, I think it already is kind of a new perspective, you know. Um, originally space was definitely for like the strongest, the best fighter pilots there was. And um, definitely, you know, we started out with only males going to space and, you know, it's definitely expanded so hugely beyond that. And so I think that is uh, already a lot of progression. But I think also at the same time, um, specifically here in the US, there was kind of like a gap where when the space shuttle program ended to, you know, this kind of burst in commercial activity, there wasn't much excitement in space. And so I think a lot of those kids didn't necessarily have those same space interests of, you know, maybe not wanting to like be an astronaut when they're little, like we see a lot of the time because there wasn't really much activity happening for them to be inspired and kind of look up. And I think now with the amount of activity happening, we're kind of start to see that again, where kids are going to pick up their interests in space. And I, I hope that that kind of leads to more people wanting to work within that industry. Alyssa, to push the boundaries a little bit. I mean, you mentioned, you know, NASA wants to go back to the moon, but they went to the moon in 1969. That was over 50 years ago. It doesn't seem like, oh, wow, that's a great step forward. We're doing the same thing we did 50 years ago. What really seems like the big step forward, one giant, giant, giant leap for mankind would be to Mars. Do you think that sometime in my lifetime or your lifetime or potentially you will step off, you know, a spaceship on Mars and take that step? I think that's definitely the goal. You know, obviously, you know, we can view going back to the moon as not as much progression and really a lot of what we're hoping for uh, in going to the moon is really just testing the rocket for Mars. Um, so obviously Mars is kind of the priority. It's where we want to be going. Um, and NASA has created the, their new rocket, the SLS rocket, along with the Orion capsule. And so kind of the idea of going back to the moon um, mainly has a very few objectives. Um, one, just to kind of test that rocket. Obviously, going to the moon is a shorter mission than trying to send people all the way to Mars the first time around. Um, and so that's just going to be testing some of those systems. We also want to get some of the first females on the moon. Um, it's kind of the idea behind the Artemis program. Um, but yes, I do think Mars is on the radar 
the goal would be moon by the late 2020s and Mars by the early 2030s. So that is kind of the hopeful goal. So we will definitely see if that happens, but Mars is definitely uh, pretty close on the horizon. We never went back there. Do we do something? Do we steal Owen Wilson? Like, like what do we do to the moon? Where we're like, we're not going back there. And it, it seems like we went there and took pictures and came back. There wasn't much of a scientific mission when, when the whole moon thing happened. So, and did we just say that we're not curious enough about it or there isn't enough to, to study? We planted yeah. an American flag, Ali. We planted the flag. Yeah, it's actually really funny of seeing why we stopped going to the moon. And we, so essentially um, we stopped after Apollo 17 and actually it was never an intent to stop going to the moon. Actually, Apollo 18 was uh, prepped um, they were building the next components to have an Apollo 18. There were plans to continue. And honestly, the main reason why it stopped and partially an issue with government space is there just wasn't enough public interest. And so essentially the public was like, yep, we've done that. Yeah, we've been to the moon, so what? And so since there was a lack of public interest um, that results in a lack of public funding and it just kind of trickles down from there to where we have to do something that the public deems exciting for you know it to be the next thing. And that's why I've you know always thought it was super important to teach people about space and about um, the possibility of going to Mars because the way I always thought was we're never going to go to Mars if the public doesn't want to see us go to Mars and so luckily you know there there is a lot of talk about Mars and a lot of talk about future space exploration I think we are kind of more in a time where we're aware that you know it's not just about the pretty pictures obviously I think we have more aware of the possibilities with space uh, so I don't particularly see that happening quite as harshly as it did with the Apollo program but yeah it was all because of public interest. I was a little young when we landed on the moon but I still see the pictures and whatever how everyone almost around the world uh, was watching that event and was so captivated and fascinated by it and it'd be great to see that happen uh, for Mars. And I think, by the way, Alyssa, so one of the reasons, of course, that, that we have you on here is not just uh, all of the amazing things you've accomplished, but what you've done in terms of increasing that awareness uh, around space. Plug you again, NASA Blueberry on both Instagram and TikTok. Any other social media outlets that uh, the kids are on these days? <laughs> I mean, I... Snapchat? Is it Snap too? I'm pretty much on anything you can think of. Like I said, it's all under NASA Blueberry, I guess. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, yada, yada, yada. LinkedIn for everyone over 35. Ah, uh, you yes. just aged yourself, Steve. Come on. Fuck. Nobody talks about their LinkedIn. Uh, so I think it's time for the questions, right, Allie? It's your favorite time. Let's see if you learn anything this week. I learned nothing this week. You learn nothing. Let's check it out. Mm -hmm. Question number one, what does suborbital mean? Uh, that's the edge of space. That's where the trip is. Boom, nailed it. Next. Question number two. It's a two-parter. What did Alyssa study and what is that degree actually in? Okay, I don't remember what it's actually called. It starts with A and it has biology in it. And she is studying bacteria and not aliens. Or is it aliens and not bacteria? Melissa, well, how much credit do we give him for this? I mean, that was pretty close in my opinion, not gonna lie. I mean, 
you're only missing a few letters from the degree title, you know, the astro, but I mean, I was pretty, pretty close and I'll give it to you with bacteria. It's what I'm going to focus in. So I think that's a big check mark. Mm-hmm. See, that's, uh, that's, that's the sound of somebody being kind, uh, Steve. I don't think you've ever heard that before. <laughs> you certainly, <laughs> I, I, I have a daughter. I've, I, I've heard it before. So uh, you, I just haven't heard it from you, Allie, not in this podcast. Yeah. Question number three. What was the last NASA mission to the moon named? Ooh, I don't know. Do we, do we talk about it? We just talked about it. It was one of the very last things we talked about. Alyssa, help him out. What was the last mission to the moon? The last mission to the moon was Apollo 17. Oh, I didn't know it was the name of the rocket. I knew that. Well, the rocket was technically the Saturn V and a lot more technicalities. But yeah, we didn't go into that. So you wouldn't be This is why I'm not friends with smart people. They keep correcting me. Also, hang on. Why do you call it the last uh, mission to the moon? It was the only mission to the moon. Oh, Alyssa, help him out. I know, this is well, I know, I know the Russians help, went, but help it doesn't the guy count. out. The Russians no, have okay. never been to the moon. Yeah, we're getting more and more incorrect. There were several missions to the moon. The ones that landed on the moon was Apollo 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, and 17. So there were six missions that landed on the moon. Then why do we only talk about the one with the flag? Wait, this is this is information. I've never heard about this before. No, they all planted flags. They just landed on different areas of the moon. They didn't all land in the exact same spot. Ali, what American town has a problem? Come on, most famous line from a space movie ever. You know, I thank God you said that. I almost went political. Because you were gonna, gonna go I'll... somewhere complete you were going completely off script, weren't you? I well, I'm not on the script. Houston. That was that's a bonus question. We didn't we didn't actually even talk about that. Question number five. Where is the UA Space Agency located? Dubai. You're fired. Where am I fired? Is it Mazdar City? It's Mazdar City. This is the sponsor of the podcast. Ali, this was a rough round for you this week. What are you talking uh, about? I got like three right. I've never had three. I, I, this I'm is the sure best performance got, I've ever had. I'm not sure I'm you got proud. three right. But I want to thank Alyssa so much for joining us today. And on a personal note, as the father of a 15-year-old daughter uh, and looking at your content on Instagram, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have TikTok. But uh, looking at your content, I think it's inspirational what you're doing. And I think it's amazing that you've been able to do this at a young age. And I think the message you're sending to particularly young women and girls around the world about the type of careers they can have, the type of things they can do, and the type of influence they can have at a young age is uh, is inspirational. And I absolutely want to, you, my daughter will be hearing about you uh, a little later tonight. I really appreciate that. So, Allie, this is our last episode of season one. It has been an absolute pleasure working with you. Couldn't have done it without you. Allie, one plug for you now. I'm going to let you do it. You've been wanting to this whole time. Where can people find you if they want to come out and watch you perform besides just here on the podcast? Where would they find you? Hey, wherever you are in the world, you can find me on socials. I'll be posting a lot more content. Uh, we've been editing all week. So, which social? I'm at Al Sayed Comedy. So, my last name, Comedy. Uh, find me there. I hope this podcast has been entertaining and educational. I want to thank our sponsor, of course, Mazdar City. 
You can find out more about them at MazdaCity.ae if you want to get more detail on the technologies we're implementing at Mazdar City. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell people you meet on the street, find us on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. So until next season, goodbye.